Hello, everybody. It's Kirk Henderson with another episode of Kirk Your Enthusiasm. I'm sorry it's been a couple of weeks, guys. So <sighs> part of the problem is I massively underestimated how challenging it would be to homeschool a four-year-old and actually put out Mavs content and do my day job. Um, to heck with the day job. The day job is terrible, but that's uh, it's it's really what pays the bills. But thank God I had... Uh, current and wonderful friend of the show and Mavs Moneyball contributor and ESPN 1033 uh, host, uh, Jeffrey Cooperstein, uh, reach out to me tonight and say that he would like to talk some Mavs. So how are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm good, man. How's it going? Sounds uh, like your life's full. It's weird. It's so weird. I live in Virginia, for anybody who doesn't know. And I got a, a lockdown order today that's to stay in effect until June 10th. That is the crazy. F- the fact that it's still March really hurts me. I mean, I, I think there's a likelihood that it could roll back at some point. I think they're trying to, I think instead of slowly pushing it out, they would rather take too big of a chunk of time. Right. And then, you know what I mean? Like, that and that's just sense. kind of an, it's just kind of an expectations thing. I mean, yeah. I've been here for a while. I mean, what's really funny is like my, you know, my my four year old little boy, God bless him. He's a lot of fun, but it's it's a really tough time to do this because I, he can't be left alone. Like right. he's just a menace. Um, we go outside and play baseball like an hour and a half a day because he somehow has learned to hit the crap out of a ball. Um, not even off a tee, like off of pitches. Nice. But that's you know between that and like reading and doing stuff like that, like you know, ter- like we we do some you know educational activities as much as we can. But my wife and I aren't teachers, and then we're trying to like buy time during the day. So that's that's kind of that's kind of where I am. Where like every day is so filled, and then I get him to bed, and I either want to watch TV that I missed all season, or I or I'm doing my like day job late into the night, which is what I was doing tonight. But then I packed up shop because I really wanted to talk to you. So what have you been doing? Man, I've been working from home, too. Uh, We're starting to do our radio shows from home as well, so just quarantining away until this goes away. There's no sports on, so I've been playing a lot of video games, watching (laughs) a lot of Netflix, you know, living the life. Well, I want to circle back on those two things at the end, but I think we need to get to the story of the day. And the story of the day, I should have known this, but being a bad Mavs fan, I didn't realize it until about 11 o'clock this morning. NBA TV decided to show the entirety of the 2011 NBA championship series all day long today. And for people who may or may not know a particular basketball team, we like the Dallas Mavericks played in the 2011 finals. And so my timeline all day long, like nine or 10 hours of Twitter was essentially people live tweeting the 2011 game. Yeah. And I have not felt this, like, I, I, I try to remember because, you know, nine, it was nine years ago. What were Isn't you doing crazy? nine? I was what a were freshman you doing nine years ago? I was a freshman, a freshman in high where? school. In high school? Oh, yes. this is disgusting, Coop. But, <laughs> uh, t- so, all right, tell me what you remember about pretty much, you know, the playoffs, whatever. Like, like, let's just, let's just talk about it a little bit. Let's get in our feelings. So when the Mavs went up 2-0 on Portland, I was like, all right, have a chance to win a series here. And then they lose game three. Brandon Roy just goes off in game four and all of a sudden it's 2-2. And so I, uh, I attended that game five and I'm thinking, you know what? This is the biggest game in Mavericks history right here. If they win this game, they'll go on to win this series and make a run. <laughs> and if they lose this game, they're losing in game six to, at, 
uh, at Portland. Uh, so that was my initial thought, and they played great in that game five. It's probably one of the best games the Mavs have ever that I've ever seen them play. And they, you know, they finally got got over the hump in that first round, and they were off from there. So that that was my first thought going into the playoffs. And then just beating, sweeping the Lakers was so sweet at the time. Uh, I I hated Kobe Bryant back in the day, and just the way that the way that the Mavericks just took care of business against them was amazing. And then we all know the rest. Yeah, that Portland series, man, that for anyone who has been a Mavs fan going back to 2000 or so, which given your household was not really much of a choice, <laughs> uh, you were probably watching Mavs games from the time you were, you know, real little there. We just so many playoff defeats and the 2011 season, I don't have. I'm just going to be honest there, everybody. I had been married for the 2010-2011 series. I had been married for a year. My wife and I had no money. I was. I remember we were living in an apartment of like 500 square feet with our enormous American Bulldog. So nice. I really didn't get into the... I've, I've been a Mavs fan forever, but I didn't pay for League Pass. I didn't have the money. So I didn't really get into the season until probably the final third. I remember being so upset when Karam Butler... Uh, Taurus Patellar tendon because yeah. that and then the Mavs just tanked and so it, they went like like oh for nine something like that during Look, the game they if if I if memory serves me correctly they were barely over 500 for the second half of the season I mean they had they had long stretches without Dirk Dirk was hurt I think for you know 12 or 13 games there and obviously Karan missed the rest of the season they were without Tyson Chandler at one point so the Mavs were really banged up in that second half of the season and it finally all came together right around the end, and they peaked at the right time, obviously. I mean, because they finished as a third seed. And really, guys, if you go through NBA history and you look at the seeding of the the guys who make it to the final four teams, it's usually the top two seeds. They're just, you know, you'll get some three seeds, but by and large, the favorites tend to win the NBA season. That's just the way it goes. The talent wins out over the course of time. So I really remember, you know, getting into it. And that Portland game was, which they, I think NBA TV played it last night uh, because I saw some of my Portland fans talking about it. Brandon Roy, who was on a bad knee at this point. He, like he, no, knee, he, he literally had bone. He had no cartilage. And he destroyed Sean Marion. The same Sean Marion, who I believe should be a, I believe he should be a, a lock hall of famer because not only after that series, he went on to defend, after Brandon Roy, he defended Kobe Bryant, he defended Kevin Durant, he defended LeBron James. And Brandon Roy probably did the most damage to the Mavericks of any one player in one game than what he did right there in game three. Was Man, it game three? So, uh, I believe it was game four that he went okay. off in. Um, so that, that evening was our Passover dinner with our family. So I wasn't able to actually watch when the Maverick, I think the Mavericks had like a 22 point lead yes, and it was huge. Yeah. And Brandon Roy, just, I was listening on the radio. We're, we're literally in the middle of dinner and we have the radio on and it's, it's shot made by Roy Roy for three. Good. And I mean, he, he that is probably one of the best playoff performances ever. It gets swept under the rug because the Blazers lost the next two games and lost the series, but yeah, I mean, after that, I was thinking, man, here we go again. Same old Mavericks, not going to get past the first round. You know, it's it's what they did forever. But 
they figured out a way and they figured out a way to win that game five and they struggled in game six, but they won that one too. Yeah. And then the Lakers series was for me, I went to college in Southern California from 2002 to 2006. Where'd you and go? And I went to Pepperdine. Oh, uh, jealous. Beautiful baseball field. Terrible basketball team. Paul Westfall destroyed the program. Decent um, beach. Oh, my God. But <laughs> being there at the tail end of the first Lakers three-peat, particularly when Kobe was just destroyed, like, because he had the the 62-point yeah. uh, three-quarter three game I, while I was in college. Like, there's a lot of, like, painful, you know, <laughs> Laker memories. So I remember being multiple years out of college and watching them blank the Lakers is 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 a singular you know sports feeling for me because you know I really wish I'd been I was on Twitter but not really you know I was on social media but not really like most of my most of my trash talk involved making fun of my friends through text and like that was just so fun so then when they they rolled into to the Western Conference Finals where Dirk yeah you know, I was really glad to see Serge Ibaka get a ring last year no because doubt because what. What Dirk did to Serge Ibaka in the 2011 playoffs illegal. It should have been. I mean, so, so going going back to the Lakers series for just one second, the Mother's Day Massacre is my favorite game that I've ever attended. Like Let's sporting talk about event it that I've ever attended. I mean, from the word go, it was crazy. Three after three after three. I think Jason Terry was like nine of eleven, and Peja was six of six. And I mean, we, the Mavericks were so in their heads at the end. Andrew Bynum got that flagrant two on Berea. And I mean, it, there, there was nothing just like beating the crap out of the Lakers to advance to the conference finals. And then, yeah, that that five game series against Oklahoma City is the best basketball Dirk ever played. That first game, 24 of 24 on free throws, 48 points. I mean, dude, at, at that point, after that game one, I knew the Mavericks were going to the finals. They were not losing to that OKC team. And in hindsight, looking at that OKC team, I mean, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Serge, I'm, that team was incredible. And if, if they ended, if they had stayed together, they win multiple championships, but they, they obviously had, had plans of their own. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that series for Dirk was by far the best basketball he's ever played. And that, that even includes his MV, MVP season. Do you remember the game where he went? What was it? He had 48 points on. Yeah, game one. 48 points, how, 24 of 24 from the line. How many field, was it like 15 field goal attempts? Yep. yep, 15 total field goal attempts. Where he worked his way through, and the Thunder were built to defend a guy like Dirk. Because I always remember um, Nick Collison, who recently retired, yeah. he might have guarded Dirk as good as anyone. Uh, like Sean Marion, Nick Collison... Uh, Steven Jackson, there were like five or six guys who really bothered Dirk. And when he started torching Collison, that was when I, and I, I, I don't remember specifics, but I remember feeling and going, Oh no, this yeah. is going to be, this is going to be bad for them because I, I think it'll be fun to look in, you know, 10 years or so and see how many hall of fame players the Mavericks tore through during that series, because you know, the Portland series, you know, Roy's not Roy's sadly not gonna make it because of his injuries, but you got, you know, Kobe, Paul Gasol, uh, who who are obvious ones to me, and then you know, three M three MVP candidates on that Thunder team, uh, not just candidates, winners. Um, there's there's just you know, that that doesn't even consider the Miami Heat, which have at, Wade, you know, Bosch, at least LeBron. three Hall of Famers on that team. Whew. 
So, I mean, it, it really just, it really just keeps going. And so, you know, when this series came on today, I was really annoyed and I, uh, for some uh, inside baseball for the team, my wife simply, you know, she simply has the better job than me. So I end up, you know, doing more of the the daytime parenting just because she has to take care of her job. And so when I saw this, I, I really thought about asking her if I could just go downstairs, but I knew that wouldn't work because I wanted to watch TV all day. Um, <laughs> And so instead, I end up watching a whole bunch of YouTube clips. I got down here at like 10, I don't know, 9 o'clock my time and watched the end of Game 7. But, like, talk to me a little bit about what you remember from the finals. Man, uh, it, it was an emotional roller coaster. Um, so during that playoffs, I was actually really superstitious. Um, I had to watch every single game in my room. I had to sit on the floor in my room. I had to wear the same playoff shirt that they gave you. Um, that they gave you when you when you go to the arena, and dude, that I mean that first uh, that first game, you know, the Mavericks didn't play too well and they ended up losing. And that second game, when Wade hit that hit that shot from the baseline and the Mavericks called timeout, I, I told you this on Twitter. I had to turn my TV off to compose mm-hmm. myself because it was at that point where I thought the Mavericks had lost the finals. And then they go on this incredible run. Dirk gets the left-handed layup to take the lead, and I, I'm I'm just going nuts. I'm I'm going absolutely nuts. And they missed that half-court shot, and Dwayne Wade goes down holding his eye like he got fouled, and I was just laughing. And so when the, when the Mavericks stole game two, I, I thought they had some life. Um, the only game I went to in that series, I went to game three, and that was the one they lost, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, that's always how it works. And then, uh, you know, and then Dirk gets the flu, and so you, they're down two to one, and Dirk has flu-like symptoms. And uh, throughout, I think it was game four and five, he wasn't feeling too well. But the Mavericks were so good in that game four and five. I, I don't actually remember too much about that. I just remember that it, it was never very close and the wins were both pretty comfortable. And then uh, for game six, I was actually I, w- I was watching with my family at the Buffalo Wild Wings in Bedford. And th- it was I mean, it was pretty close there in the first quarter and about halfway through the first quarter during a timeout. Uh, Deshaun Stevenson got a little chippy with one of the with a couple of the Heat players. And that's when I knew the Mavericks were going to win that series because Deshaun was all all in their head and the Mavericks had their number at that point and they weren't going to let it happen again. So you said a lot there that we could just talk about for a while, but I want to talk about game two for a second. I hold in my like personal sports pantheon that coming back and winning game two might be a better sports moment for me than the Mavericks actually winning the title you know i think there's something to be said for that just because of how dramatic that comeback was i was so upset when 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 that basically happened with the uh when when wade hit that shot i remember the crappy couch that i was sitting on and i remember just like the feeling of absolute like it was like the matters hadn't really been tested too much in the playoffs apparently and i saw this i saw this on twitter tonight apparently they were uh dogs uh coming into the coming into the finals like 20 to 1 yeah they uh, were they they were severe dogs going into the finals yeah i just don't remember that yeah and because because the heat blew through the eastern conference they beat the bulls in five and i think people were thinking that the bulls were a better team than okc at that point and the heat were all healthy and and the mavericks obviously didn't have one of their big big boys in in quran so and then you, if we remember you know tyson chandler got hurt during the finals and so the mavericks uh 
I mean, the Mavericks were, were pretty big underdogs going into that series. I think you're right. I think it was somewhere around 20 to 1. Which is just incredible to me. So when that comeback started, and I watch, like, whenever I'm having a bad day, and the NBA YouTube channel has the finals, what they refer to as mini movies. Yeah. They're like five minute summaries set to music of each finals game. So, and they the, have this one. You the, know what I'm talking about? I do. The 2011 ones are super special because they have some of my dad's calls in them. So yes. I go back and watch, I go back and watch those every now and then. And it is, it is so awesome to hear. Oh, because the way they just worked themselves back in it, doesn't entirely track with what we know that that heat team eventually did so when they when they came all the way back and then when terry gave up that unbelievable three-point shot it was like just so many feelings like i'm sweating now thinking about it like i really wish i could have seen that again today even though i've seen you know i I know the games on youtube like I just kind of wanted to watch it on the big screen. Like I, I actually might do that on YouTube later, in fact. But it was just nuts, like watching that. So, so game two was particularly special to me. I'm like you in that three, four, five, six stands out. Was five the game that Terry hit the crazy three pointer, or was that game six? See, I think that was game five. Like I said, I really don't remember much We're about game four and five. To be for this. We're going to yeah. get killed for this, but that's, that's okay. okay. I, ho- I hope you guys understand. Like, there's just like things that blur together. So for me, and this is a weird thing, I got invited to a bachelor party that I was at in the finals or during the finals. So I only saw a chunk of game five because I was in Miami. You were in then Miami. I was in Miami for Game Five, which oh my was God. in. But that game was in Dallas, right? So I, I hope you can see where this story is going because it's one of heartbreak and idiocy of, of my part. My wife, she just basically tells me she's like, "Look, the bachelor party's over. You need to go. Like, figure out something. You should stay. You should stay and go." You know, we've been married for a year. I was making like thirty-seven thousand dollars a year. I had like, I, I just had nothing. For Washington, we live in Washington D.C., and so it's it was pathetic. And I was like, we can't afford this. And she's like, I don't care. Like wives never say that for the record. Yeah, unmarried people. (laughs) And she was just like, I don't care. You need to go. It will be fine. And the crazy thing is, well, it's not crazy for anybody who paid attention. The the Heat fans were so willing to sell their tickets. That's what happened after the fact. I probably could have gotten a ticket for two hundred and fifty to five hundred dollars or less. It, with the way that, that seats were going that thing i ended up not going i watched it at home i was really excited to be at home with my wife because i like dragged her through my mavs fandom and she's a huge cardinals fan and they won in 2011 oh, too we don't have so, to like, talk I, about I, that i know but it was like it was a big household year so we we like it was cool to be with her for that but like I, to this day and i just responded to uh god it was one of the one of the uh the, the old gray wolf what's his name um, mike reiner Mike Reiner was uh, was tweeting about how you know you need to see one of your your teams win a championship in person. There's nothing like it, and I will forever regret just not being willing to spend the money to do something like yeah, that. Yeah, like, I've I've said this for since I've become an adult. If the Stars or the Mavericks or the Rangers or whoever's playing at home uh, to win the championship, I'm going to be there. I, I don't think you can put a price tag on that. 
I mean, shoot, I still remember the Stars Championship, that that Game 7 sextuple yeah. overtime game. I was in middle school, and that was pr- – and I wasn't even a hockey fan. I was like, this is awesome. I so, so, it, so I should have done it is the moral. Funny story about that. I know we're going on a tangent. My mom will kill me care. if she hears this. But so that the when the Stars won, it was they, – they played the game on June 19th, but the game went into midnight June 20th. June yep. 20th was my dad's 40th birthday. Okay. And – he was he was supposed to go cover the game, but my mom was throwing a surprise birthday party for him, so he wouldn't so he could not go to the game. Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! Wow, yeah. What a story. So so that's that's a that's a funny story about that. Well, so so with with all this mad stuff, like it was really nice. It's nice to see it on TV. I watched the last eight minutes of Game Seven. The Mavericks just like, in retrospect. This is the thing that I think will get lost to time. They controlled the series. Absolutely. It wasn't a close series. It really no, wasn't. I, I think I think they really did control the series. Uh, when, when it was 2-2 going into game five, I think that's when they were really in control. And, you know, game six, they it they got out to a pretty early lead. Uh, Dirk wasn't great in game six, if we remember that. Nope. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I think that Terry three-pointer was in game six just because he was so good in that game. So I'll go ahead and give him the benefit of the doubt on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I had full confidence going into game six, even though, you know, what, what had happened in 2006. But it, I mean, it just looking back on it, I'm, I'm lost for words just at how awesome it was. So do you have any dumb stats that you like to refer to when you, when you think about this series? Because I'm looking at the basketball reference stat page from this, and I will, I'll do this like every once in a while I'll go and like, and I did this repeatedly because I'm, I'm, I'm old and I'm sad at this point. Like I love referring to Michael Finley's minutes per game from like 98 <laughs> to 2004. Cause the guy played 40 minutes a game for like 400 straight games. That is nuts. But do you have anything from like basketball reference that you remember from this series? Cause I got a few things I want to throw your way. I think it was game four where LeBron had eight points. Yes. I, <laughs> that, 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 is, that is correct. That is my favorite one by far. And I mean, uh, I don't remember too much of uh, statistics-wise other than that, except that the Mavericks completely shut down LeBron James, and when they brought Berea into the lineup, the Heat didn't know what to do. So I have two that I love to throw to people. True shooting percentage, if if you look at the definition, it, it takes into account two-point field goals and three-point field goals and free throws. It basically is like, how efficient were you with your shooting? It's It's kind of a banana stat. What would you suspect... Deshaun Stevenson's true shooting percentage was in the Man. NBA finals. He was he was well over 50. I remember him knocking down a few corner threes. Oh, I'll say it's, 55? It's, oh, it's preposterous. His true shooting percentage and his EFG are right around each other. It's 82%. No, Deshaun, sh- Deshaun was so valuable for the Mavs, especially after Butler went down, because he wasn't really in the rotation until Karan got hurt. And then they put him right it right there into the starting lineup. And man, he he was just an absolute beast out there defensively as well. And he he was knocking down threes. And he's he that shot guy, he, 13 he's, for 23 from three point yeah. range in the finals. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, was, he was awesome. And you know, and he's that he's that pesky that pesky guy who uh who gets under the other team's skin, and he was very successful at that as well. And this, I don't know if you remember this. Uh, he he, when they had the parade, Deshaun was late, and he showed up just blitzed out of his mind, 
he, he goes to the rally and he wears the uh, he wears the shirt that says "How my dirt taste." Incredible! It's incredible. Amazing. Like sports stories like that just don't aren't really out there. And so you know that like he he shot so well from three point. He only played eighteen. You know, well actually just like seventeen minutes a game. But he got them so he got the Heat so off kilter offensively that they didn't really know what to do. Yeah, because you know at this point, and people are going to forget this to history, it was the Mavericks who started the three point revolution, not Absolutely. the Spurs, not any other team. It was the Dallas Mavericks. There is, uh, I I don't I read this like five or six years ago, but Bob Stroom of the Ticket wrote a book called This Year Will Be Different which has all these interviews and things like that he kind of compiled over the years. And one of the things that he noted, there's two things really that I think that are important in this conversation. First, the veterans went to Rick Carlisle and were like, you have to stop playing Roddy Bobois. Roddy Bobois noted 60 starts that year, 60. And he had 60 starts. Yes. 60. You're kidding me. I never would have guessed that. If you, would have, if you would ask me, I would have said maybe 15. Let me go look at this because I feel like I'm a crazy person if I'm noting this. No, All right. I, games, I, games played. Roddy Bobois. Am I making that up? The, I, I remember, what was it? Up. Uh, a couple, I believe it was March 28th was the 10-year anniversary of his uh, of his 40-point game. Mm-hmm against Golden State, and that was, was like the height of Roddy B. Yeah, this thing says he only plays 28 games. I'm making that, then I must be making that up. But I, he was yeah, playing was, enough. He was playing yeah. enough that, bought, that, that particularly towards the latter half of the season, that the veterans had to basically go to Carlisle and say, look, you need to sit him. Because you're right about, about um, uh, Deshaun Stevenson. Deshaun Stevenson was a late insertion into things. The second thing that they did was this team – was really good offensively the whole year, but they didn't really catch fire till the playoffs. Right. The, the, the main reason for that is that someone somewhere in the Mavs analytic department must have finally gotten through to Carlisle to have the team stop shooting baseline 15 footers, which is where a lot of their offense was. It wasn't just Dirk. Terry shot a ton of them. And yeah. they moved back to the three-point line, and that was when they just started destroying teams. Well, because they had decent three-point shooters on that team before they really started that. You know, Marion can knock him down. You had Terry. You had Kidd, who's a good three-point shooter. I mean, it's not like they didn't have guys who couldn't shoot. And so, I guess, yeah, they, they stopped shooting the, the baseline shot. Like you said, even Tyson Chandler took those 15-footers. And so, they just stopped all that, and they started playing really more from the outside in, and it really took off the offense. Yeah, and and there's something crazy about that Lakers series where Terry went nine for ten in that one game. Yeah, in the Lakers in game four, the Lakers did not want to defend the three point line. It's not that they couldn't; it's that Phil Jackson believed that forcing corner threes were was good. Was good. (laughs) Yes, he wanted to pack it in, and and I mean, when you're letting Peja Stojakovic and Jason Terry have pretty much free reign of the three point line, uh, not not a great idea. And in retrospect, that's just so wild. It is, man, because today we're shooting. If you shoot 53s a game, that's normal. And now, I mean, what? If you shot 53s a game back then, people would look like you're absolutely nuts. And the Mavericks, I mean, even in the NBA Finals here, I wonder if I can find a team stat stuff. There's all sorts of stuff going on the individual stats. But I feel like they might have only shot like 22 to 25 threes a game. 
And I feel like the three was really the deciding factor in a lot of their big games where they were just shutting teams out. You no, know, no. I mean, was, because the, the Heat didn't have great three-point shooters. You know, they were – Dwayne Wade's a slasher. LeBron isn't never been a great three-point shooter. So, they, I mean, and obviously Bosch was playing a little more inside at the time. So there was mm-hmm. – they didn't have a lot of range on that team. And Ray Allen came the year after, so they didn't have him either. No, and it was just such an odd series, man. God, no more. I mean, it's it's just so nice. fun looking back on it, just because of how it ended. I think you know, if we did this with the 2006 fi- finals, I would be raging right now. Yeah, which you know might be fun to do since it seems like basketball is never coming back. <laughs> well, you, you and I have been talking here for a while about stuff that has happened, you know, that happened a while ago. So, so let's talk about anything Mavericks related in the last couple of weeks, because really. You know, we're just kind of at we're at a little bit of a standstill. Yeah, we 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 don't know what's going to happen. I mean, look, I just you know I saw today in in the state of Virginia they pushed it back to June 10th. Uh, so we have we have no idea how they're going to finish the season, if they're going to finish the season, uh, how that affects the draft and free agency and what the maps have planned and all that. So we really don't know what's going on, and it's a very weird time. Yeah, I mean, I saw something tonight. Uh, I think ESPN is going to be hosting a 2K tournament yeah. with NBA players actually that. playing. That's kind of neat. I don't know um, who the Mavericks representative will be because I know Luka doesn't play 2K, so that kind of rules him out. But maybe they'll just pick him anyways because he's the face. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know who the Mavericks representative is going to be. Well, that's been – I will say, you know, we talked a little bit a lot. Josh and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Watching the Mavericks on social media is really a funny reminder of where this team is in their kind of timeline. Yeah. Uh, You know, like we just got done talking about the old Dallas Mavericks of 2011, where those guys were just in a different part of their career. I mean, they were all vets. They were all married with kids and all that. And this team, your best player is 20. Your second best player is 24. And they don't seem to have like, they have nothing to do. Like they, they don't have a care friend. in the world. Yeah, they have nothing to do. I was I was at work late the other night, and Luca was on Instagram Live just singing to his songs and all that with his dogs and whatnot. And I mean, I mean, there really is nothing to do right now because everything's closed and you're stuck at home. And Luca's girlfriend posting photos of him looking annoyed as hell is so relatable. I don't know where to start. Like there, you know, our, our, our good guy at Mavs Moneyball, Doyle Raider has basically kept our site afloat because he's been posting all sorts of stuff about like how the Mavericks are spending their time, like what's happening with the team. Because, you know, let's be clear, Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks are somehow, and I, I shouldn't be cynical about this, but this is just time. The Mavericks are really leading like the NBA effort in forward-facing actions with regards to dealing with, you know, coronavirus, uh, you know, essentially kind of secondhand, you know, people losing their jobs, you know, uh, people, hospital workers needing food, like just all sorts of stuff. The Mavericks and and Cuban in particular are stepping up in a way that is really kind of hard to quantify. Like there's so much stuff the Mavericks are doing. I mean, Cuban was the very, very first, I mean, seconds after we heard the NBA was being suspended and he's being interviewed on ESPN. I mean, he, he said right then and there, you know, we're going to, we're going to find a way to pay our workers because they're hourly. He said that right there. He was the absolute first one to put, to put that plan in motion. I think that really got the ball rolling for not just the NBA, but all the other sports that are happening at the moment. 
um, yeah, the, the Mavericks have definitely been on the forefront and, you know, credit to Mark Cuban and, and their staff of what they've been doing. So tell me if you had your choice. So I'm, I'm just going to tell you where I stand on this. I sort of, I don't hope the season is canceled because I miss basketball, but I do sort of hope the season ends in the sense that if they force this to happen, they will end up playing sometime in the summer, whenever things are cleared up, they may finish the finals by the end of summer. Then teams may have six weeks before they're forced to, to report to training camp. I think that's really bad for the long-term product. Does that make sense? It does, I'm really kind of worried. I So I don't know if this is a possibility or not, but my, my dad brought up this suggestion that maybe they should start the season on Christmas and play through August, and that should be the new the new basketball calendar. Would you like that? I would I, hate that. I don't know. It, the, the main point being is that you wouldn't be going up against the NFL, and so you would dominate the ratings. Um yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. It, it like, would be... Baseball's played in the summer. You're a baseball guy. Like, I just, I feel like it's, you know, and I just don't watch as much TV in the summer. Like, I'm right. doing stuff. I'm out. I'm vacationing. Sure. Like, it feels like a gamble. No, it, it would be. And so that's why I think it's more likely that what you said happens is where, it, say they finish the finals August 20th. Maybe they report to training camp October 10th or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the more likely outcome. It just sucks that you know we're not going to have the the normal draft and free agency. And I know I I always love watching the Olympic basketball tournament because Me I just too. I think it's awesome. And we're not getting that either. So yeah, I mean it's a very very weird time, and we we just have no idea what's going to happen. Ugh, I'm I, and and you know I was really looking forward to March Madness and to this year's draft because the Mavericks. This is the last time until twenty twenty two. Yes. that the Mavericks have a pick. And I was really looking forward to whatever, you know, front office chicanery. And I'm sure it'll still happen. I, it's, I'm not really questioning that. It's just, I like, like, I really, this is where I'm just so old. I I like the sports calendar. I like having my summer away from basketball. I'm with you. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I don't watch as much football as I used to, but I did watch more this year because I'm a Chiefs fan. And so, like, the thought of pivoting at Christmas and starting games is just so hard because I feel, you know, 82 is a ton. You know, you, Josh, and I made a solid attempt to cover 80, you know, wherever they finished off at, like, north of 50, where we did a podcast after every game. I think they were right at, like, 63. And so we had done 63 post-game podcasts. Yeah. And it was exhausting. It's a grind. You know, and it's a grind for I don't know how players do it, let alone like real media, like you and your dad and people that do this stuff for a living. Like I'm a hobbyist, and I'm like, oh my god, no, it, is- <laughs> it is a grind. And you know what? I think, and it, they'll never lower it. They'll never lower it from 82 just because they no. won't. They won't want to, you know, uh, compromise the revenue that they're getting. But Maybe, I mean, if they went to 76, even, you know, 74, I think that would be a great number. It would eliminate back-to-backs, and you could spread the season out more, which probably gives you less injuries, but it's all about that money, so that would never happen. And, yeah, I I, I, I do like the calendar right now, but I see an argument for moving it up, 
And maybe yeah. this was this was the right time to try it out. And, and I don't know. I don't know if they'll do it or not or if it's even a consideration. But Oh, they have to. They have to try something because I've I've been listening to uh if anybody is is like super in the basketball weeds, you probably listen to Brian Windhorst's uh Hoop Collective podcast. Yeah. And he made a really interesting point that in or like just for procedure, for like basic business procedure, because the CBA is essentially it's a collective bargaining agreement. It's a contract. It's in paper. It's legal. It's a legal document. In order for them to, you know, start the season back up, they have to re-enter the CBA and edit some things, sure. which gives the NBA honest to goodness leverage. Like the owners are going to destroy the players. That's one thing that's just coming on this. You know, ignoring my my really like my low key glee that Kyrie Irving is involved in a collective bargaining agreement. Incredible. He's the vice president of the collector of the the players association. Kyrie, players are set. Yeah, yeah, he is. The the players are setting themselves up to get destroyed by the owners in this because you know we've been dealing with all the you know your your dad loves to crack on the load management stuff, and I'm like leaning hard into his position at this point because if these guys want to play in July, October, you know July, August, whatever to finish out the season. That means they care a heck of a lot more about the money than they do protecting their bodies. So I do not want to hear about collective bargaining again. That's that's one of my firm takes on like latching on to during this nonsense. But like absolutely funky. No, it, it could be really weird. And like you said, it is all about the money. And that's what we'll have to follow when this process goes. I really hope they do finish the season uh, for selfish reason number one. I don't want the Mavericks to play the Clippers in the first round of the playoffs. I'd Good like God. for them to uh to get a chance to uh to win a first round series yeah me too me too just because i god <sighs> okay so here's the thing um it's 11 o'clock on a monday night i want to talk to you again because you have a much better read on what's happening in in dallas basketball culture day to day than i ever do we need to do this again in a couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully, sure. maybe we'll have some more news. I don't really think we've had much, but this was a great excuse to get on, reminisce, talk about fun times, because I think we all need a little bit of that right now. What do you think? Absolutely, man. We can do it in a couple of weeks, and it's always good to talk about fun times. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on tonight. This has been Kirk Henderson and Jeffrey Cooperstein. You can hear Coop on the radio when? Um, well, there's no Mavs Magazine show because there is no Mavericks. Um, so you 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 can hear me a few times throughout the month, uh, usually from six to eight p.m. Central Time. Uh, got about you know five or six shows this month. Okay, good stuff. All right, then this has been me. Uh, you can check out Mavs Moneyball. I like the page views, but guys, if you're going there, it's because you're a loyalist. Because there ain't much happening. <laughs> uh, we will be talking to you soon. Everybody, have a good week.